Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerlin of 670 The Score. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere that you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a five-star review, tell your friends to subscribe, all that kind of stuff. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Bulls, like us on Facebook at Locked On Bulls, and if your company is interested in advertising to men between the ages of 18 and 54, then your company should be advertising right here on our show. Our audience is 95% male and 78% of our audience mm-hmm. between the ages of 18 and 44. Recent surveys have shown that listeners are 65% more willing to consider purchasing products they learned about from podcasts and 60% given equal price and quality prefer to purchase from companies that advertise in their favorite podcasts. Our rates are reasonable, so make sure you email us at lockedonbulls at gmail.com with any inquiries. Uh, Cody, the Bulls' uh, dominance of national TV games is limited just to TNT. It's not ABC. That is very true. Chicago suffering a 101-91 loss to the Los Angeles Clippers in the showcase Saturday night game. As you pointed out, Bulls up six points at halftime, then were absolutely abysmal offensively in the second half with 30 points on 28.6% shooting. They had seven turnovers alone in the third quarter, and we need to remember, in case we forgot, Jamal Crawford is a professional bucket Getter. In his 17th season in the NBA, on this night, he hung up 25 points, including 17 in the second half, in the United Center, which he, of course, used to frequent plenty because the Bulls drafted him way back in 2000. And, Sean, he hit a lot of jump shots in the eyes of Bulls defenders right in their face. Absolutely. He's going to still be doing that when he's like 45. 45, you guess. 45, 50. He's got to represent Seattle, right? That's where he's from. He's going to hang on until there's ever another team back in Seattle so he can sign there for the end of his career. Oh, that would bring it completely full circle and be absolutely terrific. But I didn't think the Bulls played bad defense on Jamal Crawford. I didn't think the Bulls played bad defense in general. Dwayne Wade uh, cited Jamal Crawford as hitting really tough shots. So did Jimmy. In general. And saying uh, sometimes that happens. The problem for the Bulls on this night was, as the Clippers hit a lot of tough shots, and it should be noted that they made their first five field goals in this game, and they were all jump shots, and a couple of them were J.J. Redick flying off screens and contorting left and right and kind of not being balanced whatsoever but finding the bottom of the net. No less, the Bulls' offense in the first half, when it was working, 13 transition points, fast break points in that second quarter. When the Clippers made a lot of shots and the Bulls had to go get the ball out of the rim and it's kicking around and the Clippers got back on defense, the Bulls' offense got out of rhythm too. And they didn't execute well enough in the half court to make up for that. Rajon Rondo, when he's on the floor, I think he had six first half assists. Second half was pretty ugly for him and the Bulls as a whole. They really don't get flowing very well. Like He's not that useful when they're just walking the ball up the court. So I think some of the Bulls' problems were maybe exposed here a little bit, um, just that we've seen all season long probably. What were your takeaways from this one? Well, the thing that they kept saying, Fred said this, Wade said this, Jimmy said this after the game, they all have said this after pretty much every loss. They said that they keep taking the ball out of the basket. And, I mean, I think that goes back to what you just said, which is that they're very effective when they're pushing the pace, but when they're just... Uh, you know, giving up a lot of points and then you know not being able to like set run their plays and, and you know they have to like walk the ball up slowly. It's just not effective. I want to talk about the Jimmy Butler stuff because he is he has been. I mean, other than he had twenty two points in the game against the Warriors on Thursday, that was one of his better games recently. But since the All Star break, he has been 
pretty passive. They only took seven field goals tonight. Tied for his, I think he had three other games this season where he's taken seven shots plus the game against Oklahoma City where he took six, but he was six, so we can kind of throw that game out. But uh, sure. he only took seven shots tonight, and that's after not shooting well and not getting to the line a lot in, in several of these recent games. And he said after the game that he's just trying to get everyone involved and set teammates up for good shots, but I don't know. It, something just feels different with him than it did before the All-Star break. 28 of 74 on field goals since the All-Star break, and that's that's five games, so that's just shy of 15 shots a game. Mm-hmm. That seven was was a really, really limited offensive burden and workload for him. And I want to be clear it's not that he wasn't efficient because Jimmy scored 16 points on four of seven shooting, got to the free throw line, seven of eight from the free throw line. So in the offense that he did, in the times he did shoot the ball, he was efficient. Still had six assists. Um, incited making the right basketball play, basically. The Clippers certainly ran double teams at him in this game. I don't... I. I didn't get a sense of close, watching closely enough and them doing it so much that it was more than anyone else had all year. But some teams don't double-team it at all, and the Clippers were double-teaming team, him um, on multiple occasions in this game. And Luke Richard Mbamute mm-hmm. played pretty good defense, too. I know he had some of the assignment out there on Jimmy. But, you know, Jimmy was asked, and Fred was asked, too, point blank, is Jimmy being too passive? And Fred said, no, I don't think so. Jimmy said, quote, um... I want to get everyone involved. I think that's what the coaches want me to do. I think that's what everyone wants me to do. I'm trying to do it. I think we all know that I can shoot the ball anytime. Good shot, bad shot, but I don't want to do that. I don't care what my stats look like. Just win me the game, man. I just continue to pass the ball to the open man. So, end quote. I thought that was interesting because Jimmy is throwing it out there that he's doing what the coaches want. And what the team wants. The question is, on nights like this, is that's what is that what's best for them? I think it's pretty clear that it's not. Because I mean, before you know, earlier on in the season, there were so many different times you could point to and say, "Oh, Jimmy just took over this game." Like that that game against Brooklyn where they almost yeah. lost and then he took over. That game against the Lakers earlier on in the season. I mean, there are so many different ones that you can point to where you can just say, you know, when when they didn't have it going, he just would bail them out. And this is the kind of game I feel like. I, st- I mean, I still think they got into too big of a hole in the second half, but you know, if Jimmy you know, takes over and just starts going for it every single time down the floor, you know, they might have had a chance to get back in this game more than they did, maybe. I wonder how much... I'll say this. I think Jimmy... I think that's not everything Jimmy wants to say. I think he's saying the correct thing, because sometimes Jimmy, even when they win, doesn't say the correct thing. Like right. when they beat the Suns and... He basically pointed out that Fred told him to take a two, and he decided he's going to take a three. Right. Like, it, it's not really harmful, but it's also, like, a tiny, small headache for the coaches. Sure. That, there. Like, that, that's one you just ignore. And we have to talk but, about that later, too. But, okay. But this is Jimmy saying all the right things, but I think there's a little more there. I, I think he probably wishes they could have done something differently in this game. I don't know what that is, because I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what the Bulls were letting on exactly there and what, what Hoiberg thinks. But at the same time, you, you have to put this together. This limited role for Jimmy, shouldn't say limited, this, this reduced role. On the offensive end. Yeah, on the offensive end, just by way of kind of responsibility and playmaking has come since the All-Star break, which dovetailed with the time they traded Taj Gibson 
and Doug McDermott to the Thunder and got Cameron Payne in. And that's not like a really high-profile move and reconfiguring your whole jigsaw puzzle offensively, but it is different, you know? And when you insert Bobby Portis, Jaron Grant, Bobby Portis definitely more offensive-minded, has taken a lot of shots, and Robin Lopez has been taking a ton of shots lately. And this one he had 14. They're really going to him early in the first quarters and identifying um, mismatch or going through him early, it seems like, these last few games. And you throw Bobby out there, too, and you know your boy Bobby. Never met a shot he doesn't like, right? Oh, they're going up. They're going up. If he's open, that shot's going up. So maybe Jimmy's still trying to find his way uh, exactly how to best fit them in. These two new starters or just these new guys and, and new starters having a little bit bigger role. And I think that's a work in progress, something you have to do on the fly. Because, again, when you trade, Doug McDermott was essentially their sixth man. And you traded two of your top six players, right? Yeah. Like, even though their future outlook, like Taj was leaving in free agency almost certainly, and Doug had been disappointing. Um, considering where they took him in the draft and scoring 10 points a game and shooting right. 38% on threes and not, not being a stud offensively, really. But it's still different when one-third of your top six goes through a roster makeover or turnover. So uh, I think that might be partially to, uh, to cite for, for Jimmy's reduced workload. But something the Bulls are going to have to figure out. And i got to say, it's more fun to watch Jimmy just take over and be yeah. the guy anyway, really. Yeah, we kind of missed that lately. We did. You wanted to talk about, you mentioned the coaching staff. Were you mentioning specifically the stuff Fred from Hoiberg, pre-game? Yeah. pre-game? Yeah, so give them uh, the setup, Sean. Give them so setup. over the last couple of weeks or so, uh, several Bulls players, and it really goes back for earlier in the season, uh, diff- at different times different guys have said that uh, the coaching staff hasn't really clearly communicated with them about which uh, you know what their roles are and what's expected of them and you know why they are why they are or are not getting more minutes lately Rondo obviously said that after uh, he got benched back in December uh, Taj said at one point that he didn't understand why Rondo had been benched and nobody had really given him a clear answer more recently Bobby Portis said that he wasn't really sure why he was sent down to the D league and then uh, Michael Carter Williams after uh, you know, having this knee injury and falling out of the rotation, uh, said the other day uh, to Joe Cowley of the Sun-Times that uh, he was kind of confused as to what was going on. And Fred Hoiberg actually pushed back at it a little bit today. He said that he's talked to both of those players. They both know exactly what their roles are, and he, you know, wishes that this stuff hadn't gotten out. It was, you know, it was a little bit out of character for Fred to actually kind of stand up for himself like that. Well, when you put it like that, he just, he's never, ever going to throw a player under the no. bus. That is... One of his core beliefs, and say what you want about the Fred Hoiberg era, but I don't think he's ever thrown a player into the bus. No. The Joakim Noah misunderstanding was Fred actually trying to explain, put a story out there, how much of a team player Joakim Noah was. He had good was. intentions there. Yeah, absolute good intentions. So, um, respect to Fred on that, because he's always kept stuff in-house in an organization that... Last year and this year has not been the players afraid to publicly speak out. Right. Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, Jimmy last year, obviously. An organization in which stuff leaks locally and nationally sometimes, it really makes you wonder um, where it's coming from and the intention behind everything sometimes. So Fred's never been like that. So he's taken the high road there. But at the same time, the Rondo stuff was the most damning. 
back yeah. in January because he literally went on record saying it's the most confusing episode of his NBA career, which is saying a lot given all the run-ins he's had sure. with past coaches. Um, and he said up front exactly, wasn't the famous quote like, did they uh, did they explain it to you exactly what's going on, Rajan? And he goes, um, how can I say this? No, is basically what he said. <laughs> yeah, like, exact quote. I don't know if that's a perfect tone, but it's. And close. then, when then another another point, they asked him like if he thought he'd ever start again, and he said, "Yeah, that's a good one." Yeah. So, um, the communication level with Rondo, I think, was honestly probably certainly lacking. Uh, the Bobby Portis thing, I, I don't know why Fred. It was weird to me. I understand. I thought it was good that he stood up for himself and made this clear, and and just said, "Hey, this isn't a story." Whatever, and you know, when Bobby says it on record, and he was pretty clear. And Bobby, he's a young guy; he kind of contradicted himself a little bit in that interview. I think Bobby was he, probably just saying stuff. Yeah, he later in the interview said like he liked going to the D League to get reps because he understood that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Bobby's not going to go out there and go on record as saying, "Well, they explained to me that I'm going to the D League because I've stunk it up lately." You know what I mean? He's not <laughs> going to say that. So, I mean, he was. He's going with the storyline and the flow, and that's a young guy. That's probably where the question was going. He's not quite as media savvy as Dwayne Wade yet. You know, that's no. what happens when you uh, win a few titles and been through the ring or more, and you're 35 like Dwayne Wade. So um, I don't think the Portis thing was a big deal, but Portis was also very clear in saying that he wasn't clear. Like, he had two quotes here. And one literally was, I didn't understand why I had to go down. So, like... It, it's still out there, even if it's right. not a big thing. So, and if it was, was if it was just this one thing, if it was just him saying that, then we, you know it could be okay. He maybe either misspoke or it was taken out of context or whatever. But it's just like it feels like it's a pattern. Like this, the Rondo stuff, Taj saying he didn't understand the Rondo stuff, the MCW stuff. Like there's just it's pretty consistent at this point. Fred gets put in a tough spot in some of this because he can't say this guy has sucked lately. Right. But that is the reason some of these moves are made. The Rondo, yeah, that was it for the Rondo thing too, maybe. But when he's your starting point guard, big offseason signing, so much respect. And even even before he got demoted, he had the utmost respect in that locker room from all those young guys. You right. know what I mean? So, like, he's a more central figure. Like, you don't just take him out without a clear explanation, um, even if he has been stinking it up. But, like, these other guys, like... I don't think you have to make a big to-do and, and have a large sit-down every single time you jerk Jaron Grant or Bobby Portis's minutes around. You know what I mean? Because these are young guys. Some nights are going to be good. Some nights are going to be bad. So Fred's in a really tough spot in that situation sometimes when he has to publicly convey it when behind the scenes. like He wouldn't have time to scout film, see his family, do behind-the-scenes work if he had to explain every single thing to every single player given how inconsistent they are. And what we need to point out also is that they're still trying, I mean, even though the Bulls did that trade to get younger and, you know, maybe build for the future, they're still trying to make the playoffs this year. So Fred is going to play the guys on any given night that he thinks give him the best chance to win the game. And so, you know, if there's going to be certain nights where Bobby Portis is maybe not that guy, because Bobby didn't play at all in the fourth quarter tonight, and he was pretty good in the first uh, three quarters. Yeah. Like, they're, like they're, there's going to be times when Fred is just going to play the guys that he's going to play uh, because he wants to win the game. And you can't really tell on any given night who those guys are going to be because all the young guys are inconsistent. Winning makes this so much easier. I, I have a couple reference points here. The year the Bulls in 2010-11, Tibbs' rookie coaching season, like that rotation and lineup was just locked in. Right. You know what I mean? The bench mob, like 
every single thing the same most every single night. Why? Because they were winning. You look at here locally, the Cubs last year. Joe Madden is well known for telling players several days in advance that they'll have Thursday or Friday off. You know what I mean? Like a position player. Anthony Rizzo gets a couple games off a year, but Joe Madden, those couple games, will often give him advance warning. And why can Joe Madden do this? Because they're winning 103 games in route to a World Series title, and you don't have to worry about the day and game at hand as much you can look bigger picture when you win, when you have stalwarts, when you have consistency. The Bulls don't have any of that, and that makes it tough for Fred. So he's got to do all of this on the fly. And, I mean, this is an organizational theme here. It's not just Fred figuring out on the fly, but the organization figuring out this compete for a playoff spot and rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it, on the fly. So it's just natural that it's going to trickle down to the head coach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, in that regard, a couple other notes. Jaron Grant, small role in this game. Only two points. Played just under 10 minutes. One of three from the field. Dwayne Wade, really rough night. 10 points on two of 11 field goals. He didn't look like he was with it too much. Too many tough jump shots. Too many floaters at the hoop that kind of looked... Uh, half-hearted, you know what I mean? Like, he, he wasn't going quite as strong. Yeah. I know he got the free throw line six times, but on the night that Jimmy wasn't flying to the hoop and being really aggressive, that's the night I think you want Dwayne Wade to be dunking and leading your offense, maybe, and just creating more contact. But give some credit to the Clippers. Sure. No doubt. They did a pretty good job. But the Bulls, 31 and... 31. Back to 500. Solo 7th place in the East. Yep. Half game behind the 6th place Pacers. A game ahead of the 8th place Pistons. Who they play on Monday. Correct. The Bucks, I believe, are two losses back now in the ninth spot. Um, the losses, of course, the all-important uh, figure. I was going through some tiebreakers the other day um, for the playoffs. The Bulls have the tiebreaker over the Heat because they only play them three times this year and they beat them twice. Yeah. Uh, the Bulls, no matter what happens, will not have the tiebreaker over the Bucks, who have wiped them off <laughs> the floor have that. three times. So that's just something, because the Heat, the Bucks and the Heat are those teams kind of 9-10 right now and certainly have the most hope um, to sneak into an eighth spot if someone's to give it up. If the Bulls are to give it up, the Pistons are give it up, whoever it right. is. So that's, when you're looking at that playoff spot, and if the Bulls, you want to stay away from the Cavs too, obviously, right. so you want that seven spot, but... 500, Sean, what's the what's the barometer here that you're reading for uh, Bulls' playoff chances? Oh, I still think they can make the playoffs. 100% confident over here. Yeah, right? I've, I've, I've stayed confident the whole time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they got a big one against the Pistons um, battling for that seven seed. Uh, we will watch that game. I don't think you're going to Detroit. Right? I'm not going okay. to Detroit. So we'll, uh, we'll probably watch that one, record an episode Afterward, on Monday night, the Bulls do have practice on Sunday before flying to Detroit. We don't expect too much to happen if something. I mean, I'll be there, but I don't think happens. We'll, we'll throw an emergency podcast up for you if something huge happens. We will not be doing an emergency podcast if Fred Hoiberg says Michael Carter Williams gets back in the rotation, though. And it should be noted, MCW available to play dressed. DNP coach's decision in this game. Right. Well, I mean, we'll be at practice tomorrow, so we'll see what, what actually comes out. I wouldn't expect it to be too much, but... Uh... Certainly. Um, as always, follow myself on Twitter, at Cody Westerlin. Follow Sean 
at Hyken. Follow Locked On Bulls on Twitter. It's on Facebook by the same name. Email us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com with any advertising inquiries. Always welcome. Any of your questions. We love your basketball questions. And even if they're crazy, we, we love the crazy too. The crazy gets our... Uh, Gets our brains churning. Mm-hmm. We we get a lot of the mundane same Shout questions. Shout out to the crazy questions. Whether it's on Twitter or whether it's just in Bulls media scrums and talking to people, we always we always get the regular. So we like the craziness. Um, but most of all, please do subscribe to the podcast. That's right. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, whatever your favorite podcast app is. You can find us. Just search Locked On Bulls. Subscribe. Go on iTunes. Leave us a five star review. Tell your friends to subscribe. Check out the other podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network covering all the NBA and NFL teams, covering NFL, NFL draft, uh, combines going on right now. You're going to want to stay up on that. Uh, whatever your favorite NBA or NFL team is, check out all the podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network. And thanks for listening to Locked On Bulls. Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only.